Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. Uh, this is Steven, and Brad is seated on the couch in kind of interview position, Jonah. I would say... With my legs crossed. A little risque, maybe reminiscent of Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. A little welcoming. Yeah. A little, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I wish you guys could see this. I, God, I wish we all could see it. I can't believe I'm getting this for Where free. Brad is sitting is... Uh, it should happen. There needs to be the Brad Goop episode. Yes. <laughs> I'm serious. Brad on the couch. Because there are some stories that you've told that you refuse to tell. I, you know, I thought that I would let them out in little bits and pieces during our intros. But, you know, life is interesting for the three of us. So we yeah. have plenty to talk about. We yeah, do. but not for, but very few of us have toured with Sam I Am and have stories. Yeah. And other bands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll come out to, uh, we'll do a remote podcast out in the in the wilds of new jersey let's do it let's do it i'm done come out there for a weekend please pop a few beers we'll go to sesame place speaking of popping beers yeah look at that (laughs) our guest today on the podcast is kendra morris who is an amazing singer to beer popper to our french fans and we have gotten emails from uh you guys might already be huge fans of her yeah she's uh yeah she's huge in france um and she's great and i met her when she was popping beers at library bar when I was going through a period where I hung out at a bar 24 hours a day, <laughs> which was fun. but uh, We've all been there. Yeah, I'm oh, glad yeah. that that chapter's over. Brad but, did it so much, he was hired by the bar. Yeah. True that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember being like, well, the bartenders are here all the time, too, so it's okay. And it's like, nope, they're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> You're just drinking, and then, like, yeah, and then they would be like, we're ordering food, Joan, you want anything? I'd be like, all right. And then I would just be, like, eating my meals at the bar. And I remember at one point some girl was sitting next to me. She's like, oh, it's so cool. You're like a regular here. I was like, I'm not a regular. <laughs> She's like, but like, the, you eat all your meals here and they ask you what you want? I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, when were you here last? I was like, I don't know, yesterday? She's like, dude, you're a regular. I was like, ugh, I got to stop coming here. You have a local. So yeah. I stopped, but uh, stayed. all the people that work there are awesome. And uh, then I started like following Kendra's music and it's incredible. Her last album is called Banshee. You guys should check it out. And she talks about how she's working on it, finishing a new album now. And for me, this was the first time uh, she, the guest you know, brought moral support. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you don't hear, but, uh, hanging out in the studio was, it was a very fun, older boxer named taco. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So taco was here as well. Taco was very well behaved. So mellow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I worried about that. When you see the dog sniffing around, I'm like, if this dog it, do pees I, here, Brad's going to kill all I need to check the corners? No, dude. I think Taco smells was... good. Although, uh, well, well, we'll we'll let it play yeah. out. We'll let it, let it happen. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, check out Kendra's music. Um, t- go to her bar and tip her super well. <laughs> Um, and if you're a musician... Mention going off track for a 0% discount. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a musician and you are still struggling and doing stuff, but your band is doing well in other parts of the country, keep that gig as a bartender. Yeah, for sure. It's a good one to have. Cash is good. All right, we'll shut up. Let Kendra talk. Take it away. I'm going to take it away. Hey, and welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. Steven here, and, and our guest today is... Kendra Morris. Oh, I thought it was going to be Taco. And Kendra. Oh, and Taco. <laughs> Sorry, Taco. Kendra was his handler, and I didn't really know who the... Are the first canine guest we've ever had? Uh, No. That's not true. Who else had one? Did someone hide a dog? Some, no, someone else brought a dog in here. Um, Jake Bellows. Oh, really? From Neva Nova, yeah, because he was driving. Uh, I don't know if you were at that I one. I wasn't at that but one. But he, he had a bigger dog that was my, kind of in the same spot. My first canine experience. Your first canine experience. It's, it's always fun. <laughs> Taco's chilling by me. I just want everyone to know that because I have, I have good animal vibes. And Kendra is a singer. Mm-hmm. And she's an amazing voice. Thanks. You're welcome. And we met because you're also a bartender. Uh-huh. And I was hanging out at your bar a lot through Tucker. And then I heard your music and it was like, uh, it's it's crazy because like your voice is so huge and you're like kind of like smaller <laughs> and that in an insulting way but you know what I mean. What bar? Uh the library. Oh, I know the library. It's like more holes in the seats than there are on the floor. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I was saying one day I was like we should put whoopee cushions in the holes. Yes, you should. How long have you been there? Mm, long time. I'm not really there so much anymore, which is good and bad sometimes really but you're touring yeah that's cool I'm touring a lot so that's good and it's been like that's always been my hub of like keeping up with all my friends like it's how you know you get busy as an artist when you're out on the, on the road and then you just want to be home when you're home so and i don't really go out and party as much as i used to so you know usually like people know to find me there like you know when jonah and i want to catch up like or I, I live around the block from there, so I go in there. And yeah, the time, but I don't go there as much either, and I think it's kind of a good thing too. Maybe like I felt like I was going there like when I was living over there. I was like eating all my meals there. Yeah, and it's like you get in kind of like it's it's fun. It's a fun place, but it's like I feel like hanging out and spending all your time in a bar, especially if you're not like making money. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a little depressing. Dude, I remember living in L.A. years ago, but these the pre cell phone day cell phone days, and I was at a bar and I knew I'd been there a while because the phone rang and the bartender went it's for you yeah i was like i come here too often this is bad <laughs> but you always got to see like cool stuff like i would love to see like like jp throw people out or like I oh, feel like yeah. there, there, was, there was a lot of action there was a guy that pu- punched through the bathroom door one night he uh people like the rule is no two people in the bat in the bathroom stall at once because that's be. how you breed a coke bar you <laughs> know so one night these two a couple was in the bath in the bathroom in the bar back this guy big guy named jeremy giannotti big italian guy he goes and he's like banging the door he's like am i allowed to cuss on this show? yes i like, mm-hmm. get the fuck out like banging on all of a sudden it was like out of a movie it was like the hulk or something you just saw a 
hand go through the door and we see this arm wiggling through the hole and he grabs the arm through the hole in the door and just like yanks the guy and the door open and the this little guy goes spilling out who would like punch through the door and he's like, get out of here i was just like i can't believe i'm seeing this it's like the movies you owe us a door yeah i feel like i go in there too sometimes and christian be like ugh, someone like pulled the sink out of the wall again yeah or it's like someone pooped in the sink <laughs> once and i finally like years later found out who it was no way yeah, it's wow, this guy, it like- Dan Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, if you're listening, uh, well played. You should be ashamed of yourself. Dan Schwartz was the one who pooped in the sink at the library bar. Boom. <laughs> Last time I was there, uh, yeah, or a couple times ago, JP threw someone out and their shoelaces got cut, caught like in the door, but they were on the outside and everyone was just laughing at him. Mm. It's fun. It's a fun place. Yeah, I can imagine. It sounds like uh, a bar <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. where these things happen. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Florida. Whereabouts? St. Petersburg. Ah. Well, I'm actually born in California. But mm. It's a rough commute. I moved to Florida when I was like seven. We're in California. Lodi. Wow, I didn't know there were two Lodi's in the United States. Yeah. There's a Lodi in Ohio also, There's actually. three? Yeah. Hmm? Lodi's where Danzig's from, too, in New Jersey. Lodi, New Jersey, yeah. Interesting. Wow, all singers come from Lodi. Stark in Lodi. <laughs> yeah. So had you um, had you always been singing, like, the whole time you... Like, when did you kind of start doing that? Because I, I, I didn't really know about it until a little later, I guess. I, yeah, it's something I always did since... I mean, those are my first memories of, like... You know, my parents having barbecues and me, like, ripping off pieces of construction paper and going to, like, breaking into their parties and being like, you want to see me sing and making them give me money so I could, like, get (laughs) up on a chair and perform. Or if, like, no one would listen, I collected stuffed animals, so I would take them all down from the shelf. I'd count them all, like, 100, and I'd surround them around me, and I would just perform for all my toys if no one would listen. What songs would you sing? I'm, I'm... they're all I, they're all uh, compositions that oh, haven't yet released. Same what do you remember? I know one. Yeah. That That's is about cue. a tree and a turtle. Perfect. That's a good story. <laughs> a relationship gone awry. Yeah, I was you know six years old is really tough. Dude, it's fun watching them sing. There was this kind of like stuff. guy, and we you know did that game in the closet. Like you show me yours, I'll show you mine, and. I never that. recovered. Yeah, that's that's, that's how we learn. Yeah, it's good you had an outlet for it. I wonder, that was Colin Chapin. I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> I love how you remember <laughs> I'm just all the last names. Name everybody great. today. This is your list. This I is hope, the time. Let's like. I hope. I, I hope this gets. Let's. I want to. Let's push for mass exposure of this episode today. I want yeah. to reach out to Dan Schwartz and Colin Chapin, and yes. I'm going to name everybody. Please, let's do it. Now, Jonah's telling me that, you know, you you work, live here in New York, but then you tour, and you tour with a band, or is it you, or... Mm-hmm. I have a, I've had the same band now for, like, six years. Wow, I mean, that's great. the keyboardist is the newest, and he's been with us for almost two years. So... That's insane. Been... Ten, band, ten, ten punk bands have formed and broken up in that two years' time. Yeah. it's <laughs> true. And you were just... It seems like you do a lot of international stuff lately. Yeah. We have... Our new label is... Uh, our, we have a production company based out of France. And they've been awesome. They've been... It gets crazy The just seeing the way it works over there. They really, like, just treat us. Like, I go over there and it's like, that's... 
I don't have to lift a finger. That's my job. I just get to go make music, go and perform. I don't have to, you know, they have someone working all the PR end of things. They have, like, we have a tour manager, we have a tour bus. Like, it's just, they just treat you so well. Even the venues, like, there's bowls of candy for me, and I love candy. I'm with you. I bag it fully. So, yeah, France has been, like, the shows keep getting bigger and bigger. We played some really big festivals this summer we did this one called solidays which is one of the biggest ones and it's in paris and so you record records over here and then they and then like you they're released via label to different markets and france is the place right now where they're like we they were, we want her yeah we're starting with we're gonna start with uh france and america targeting this time because with the last record the last two i was with box poetics mm-hmm. and we released mockingbird and which is a covers record and banshee which was my first and then Wax Poetics uh, released here, and then they found this group in in uh, France that ended up putting it out internationally. And Banshee just came out in January over there, so they're still working the album. We added some different tracks on it, and they're still like, I have another single they're working over there. Wow! And then with uh, the next album, which I'm in the studio recording right now, I think what what i'm going to do what we're doing is um france is going to shop for the label to to release it here in the u.s you know and they'll just kind of be like the grandfather in the background that looks out and then they're you know they're more like a management company and then they're finding like my french label has been naive records and so um we're just seeing where where it goes but that'll probably come out in the spring that's exciting so so the has the the U.S. market been the toughest one to crack? Yeah, in Weird, some right? ways. Like you know what though? Like, look what people are listening to right now. There's, I mean, it's all to. over. Yeah, but that's true. It's, it's like the radio makes me want to barf right now, and so it, it's it's hard. To, Just now, good God! It's always yeah. It's been well. It's no. it's, it's clear channel. They kind of killed it, in my opinion. But that's just me. Yeah. I don't really even know what's on the radio now, but I imagine it's not stuff I'd be into. It's all one note. Yeah. Well, we've discussed it, like how it's the only time you can hear different songs that that change every few months is pop radio. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the the pop radio stuff is kind of unlistenable because it is all one note. It's all tuned. It's all like whatever. Oh, yeah, we do talk. I feel like every time I go home and turn the radio, it's like Allison changed roosters on, <laughs> and, and that, it's every five years, and it's always the same song. And that's and that's. <laughs> rock stations now because they have to pepper in something new with classic rock which is 25 years old yeah and it bums me out because it's not how we grew up it used to be everything would rotate every couple of years yeah and it's kind of frustrating so i can imagine yeah, being on that end of the spectrum it's i mean definitely it's been an interesting market but luckily we've had a lot of really great opportunities with um syncs like we've had with uh synchronizations we've had we had a really big, uh, we had a trailer for a major motion movie with like Colin Farrell and Numi. Oh, really? Okay, so we did the trailer for Dead Man Down. Nice. And so that was huge for us. Like we ended up selling all these records from that. And then we got a really big placement on Ray Donovan the first season, which was in I one just of got like. that DVD set. Oh, what that show is that? so good. Is. It's Liv Shriver's um, Showtime series where he's like a boston muscle guy for the mob it's so good really? have you started watching it no say nothing should I, you recommend it absolutely okay i didn't watch it until i didn't i kept not watching because i wanted to wait i don't have hbo or anything so i wanted to wait to understand the placement of the song 
So I waited until it came out, able to watch on like oh, Amazon and all that stuff. And so I watched every episode back to back. Actually, when I was in France this last time, my boyfriend and I were like, let's catch up on Ray Donovan. And we got hooked and we were just like watching Ray Donovan every night. We were just like, this is so good. And then when it got to the episode, I was just like, it all, you know, made sense. It's funny because they have Schreiber reached out to me about a month ago. Because they wanted another song on the show, and they've all become like, I have like a, like That's a, super and exciting. he has tweeted to me that he was like, I'm trying to reach you, and it was just funny because like he, he tweeted to me, and then um, all of a sudden I had all these like Facebook messages, and like there was messages to my team in Europe, there was messages to like agents I used to work with here from like all like the producers of the show and like the management, they were trying to find me. <laughs> And it was because he wanted to try a song for, he was directing an episode and he wanted to try one of my songs in the episode and he wanted me and Jeremy Page, my producer and collaborator, he wanted us to see if we could rework a song to work with the cut of the episode. It was just so cool because like I, he, he, I tweeted back and sent him my email and he emailed me that morning with his cell phone number and I was like, I'm going to call him. Please tell me it's leaveschriver at gmail.com. <laughs> That's, hey, that's it. <laughs> that's how everyone is. Like everyone, you meet someone super famous, so like, it's just your name at Gmail, like everyone else, and they're like, uh huh. Oh, I think we just gave away something. <laughs> it was crazy talking to him on the phone, and I hadn't seen the show yet at His that point. His voice is like lower than you think it is. Right? He sounds like on the phone. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm talking to a drug lord. I saw him do uh, Henry V at Shakespeare in the Park. Oh yeah. And you're just like, oh my god, so awesome. I'm a huge fan of him. Yeah. That's I remember watching him when he was did some he did an indie film with Parker Posey, Party Girl. Love Party Girl. Great movie. That's what I told yeah. him. I was like, I'm a big fan of Party Girl. He's like, Oh. I would like a mind altering drug, one that would ensure my future children grow gills. <laughs> remember that line from the movie? <laughs> the you seen awesome. that? I don't know. It's really funny. Just Anything Parker Posey, I feel like you yeah, I just watched some Parker Posey movie the other day where like I watched most of it where, like, she was, like, in love with her brother or something. Is that House of Yes? Oh. Yes, House of Yes. Yeah, that one is... That's a yeah. play, dude. I saw that. I saw the play version of that. Really? Not with her, but, like, in London. That's a fierce, fierce play. How yeah. do we watch it? Yeah. I'm him, I'm her. Shabam. That was Freddie Prince Jr.'s last great role. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> then he stopped because of Kiefer. I mean, it's rough. It's been rough I know. There's a lot of competition for these. No, he said Kiefer was a douche when he worked with him on 24, and he's like, that made me want to quit acting. Really? really? Yeah. Did you write Did you write the questions oh. for when Kiefer Sutherland came on? I think Years so. Years ago. I remember him being in the office with that band. Honey, Honey, I Yeah. Think. And then, you know, what's funny about that band is that then, like, Joe Rogan became obsessed with them. And they're on, like, Rogan's podcast all the time. That's hilarious. But that's, like, the only band he ever has on is Honey Honey. That's really funny. Keeper Southern was really weird because he is so addicted to smoking that he couldn't sit for 20 minutes without going to have a cigarette somewhere. And I watched it happen. And then I I just kept making the the takes longer because I thought it was really funny. I think we should just call this show Exposure Today because I want to just expose something. Kiefer came into the library one night. Yeah, yeah. do it. Oh, man. That was a, him and Trey Cool from Green Day mm. and Trey Cool's fiance or girlfriend. And then there was like one other guy with them. And they came in and Kiefer was like, I just kept giving him these giant like 
stewers on the rocks. So I was like, I bought him a couple, and was like, he was so nice. And then at the end of the night, I ended up going and like sitting at the back. To, we were letting him smoke in there, like at the very end, like he was under the table, and like when I was showing each other tattoos. And then later, I'm walking by the bathroom, closing. He's like, "So, can I have your number?" And I was like, "Yes." So I gave Kiefer Sutherland my number and I go down in the basement to do my paperwork and all of a sudden I have all these missed calls from, uh, like, the, the what is the LA, like, 323? 323, yeah. had all these 323 missed calls and then voicemails and I go listen to them and it's drunk Kiefer Sutherland messages. He's like, hey, this is Kief. Just wanted to say it was really cool meeting you. Like, I think... You know, it was special, and I think if we should hang out and talk about things that make you laugh. <laughs> I was like, okay. So then I go, and I'm like, I'm pretty drunk at this point. And I, you know, after I'm done with the paperwork, it's like five in the morning at this point. I call him, and he was in town filming 24 at the time. It's probably like five or six years ago. And I remember, you know, I'm sitting on the curb talking to him. He's like, yeah, I'm under the covers, and we should, uh, we should hang out. And I don't even remember what we talked about, but I was like, we're going to be best friends. Gonna hang out. That's like, exactly what he wanted. Next day, and so we were supposed to go out that next night. And the next day, I called him, and I'm like, "Hey, this is, this is, this is Kendra from the bar." He's like, "Who?" I'm like, oh, "It's the bartender." He's like, "Oh yeah, let me call you back." And he actually called me back, and we didn't end up hanging out, but we played some phone tag for a while. And I ended up one night drunk dialing him and telling him a, a joke. And I never heard from him again. What was the joke? What kind of bees make milk? Mm. Boobies. Yeah. That's the joke that blew it with me and Kiefer. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, because he probably knew the punchline. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> John, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good Jonah Bear joke right there, actually. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of on my alley. Yeah, you know, what stinks is I saved that voicemail from him for a long time i kept it in my phone and i'd show it to my friends because it was so he's so drunk in the voicemail and he'd be like, did you record it like, no and i didn't know that this was the time where it was back with the change your plan different you kinds of phones your, yeah. and it deleted two weeks later deleted mm. the message and i was like i could have put that into a song yeah man the yeah. whole thing how uh. do you deal with uh like guys hitting on you at the bar because that must be kind of weird because it's like you kind of have to you don't have to be nice to people but i guess like you don't want to be I don't know. Because yeah. you're sort of working for tips, but it's also like you kind of have to like... You just kind of... You find ways like... I mean, now it's... I'm just usually like I'm seeing someone, you know? Or I can manage to... I don't... I'm not one of those like... There, there's different kinds of bartenders. There's bar, female bartenders and male bartenders that do this. There's bartenders that really play their sexuality and like you come to a bar because you think maybe the bartender is gonna have sex with me or maybe the bartender is gonna marry me and so like people keep coming back because they're attracted to this like person behind the bar and it's it's like being a performer and some bartenders really play that up and that's been the one way i've never really wanted to work you know all whether i'm on stage whether i'm behind a bar like i I grew up with brothers. I grew up. I really like, enjoy having friends. I've never been someone that wants to sell like sexuality. So I, usually, like, if someone hits on me, it's maybe because they have 
found something interesting about my personality or something. And then as soon as I tell them, oh, I'm not interested or, you know, I'm usually pretty nice unless they're totally creepers. I'll be a little bit, you know, have fun with that. But mm. they'll... Um, How do you have fun with that? Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> usually, well, we've, we've, all, we've saved numbers before. Like some of those girls have saved the numbers and I feel like we've probably used them for prank calls before. Mm. Or, mm. Signing up for hair club we is have usually a fun thing to do. Hair club? Yeah, signing up for that. Bosley. Then they get something in the mail yeah. and then they're still getting really paranoid. We have a wall. Like, how the- do, what, do they, what do they know about me that I don't? <laughs> Not saying someone did that to me, but they did. We have a wall in the basement too, where we've saved some of the better notes. They're all hanging up, and like people just write notes on a bar napkin, and yeah, like on their or on their credit card receipt. Like, I think I love you. <laughs> you wanna? Yeah, you wanna go home and do me? <laughs> no. No, you're gross. It's bar. Go away. Here, drink this. <laughs> What's it like? Because um, I feel like. I, I've done like months here and there where like I haven't drank, but I've like hung out at bars a lot. Like, what's it like, kind of watching drunk people being sober? I mean, are, are they super annoying, or is it just funny, or is it just whatever? Um, because I was thinking it's it really got, interesting to observe. I, yeah, I hadn't drank for four years, um, and it was it definitely like it was really hard at first to be around. Like, oh my gosh! But then you get used to it. It just becomes like. It's actually way easier to bartend sober than... Because I've been the really drunk bartender before for many years where I was like, if you can't beat them, join them. But then I'd be drunker than the customers and that didn't end well. And then, you know, being, you know, sober behind the bar, you it's it's way easier. It's way better. You, if you're... It just... You got to go in the right mindset. It can be hard on like a Saturday night when you're dealing with the worst of the worst people sometimes where you're like who raised you like this you're such a jerk like you are a jerk and you in your mind are just like how do you deal with the stress and people that can be i had that can be just awful and but you just wind up you know like putting it like this is you know this is the money that's gonna pay my bills you know like as a new york like money as a new york bartender is amazing especially Mm -hmm. for as a musician like there's so many musicians that you know even like uh jaleel from tv on the radio he was bartending at max fish up until like they would be doing huge shows and then you could go see him at max fish or like so many musicians will use bartending as like because as a musician you don't know when you're gonna like make your royalties or when you're gonna you can always pick up a shift. Yeah, and it's cash right there. Why'd you stop drinking? Because I was an idiot. Mm. How'd you do it? Um, I did it through. I did through a program actually, mm-hmm. and twelve step or it. Mm-hmm, did that, and it was awesome for just building a network of people. Actually, you know, I am not. I've had a cup. Like I will. I'll be since this is the exposure show. You know, I'll say mm-hmm. like I do. You know, I have drank again. I started drinking again in April a little bit, but it hasn't been the same. I think maybe more for me, it was a lot of growing up, taking four years to step away. Like since then, I've had like a glass of wine or a couple of beers here and there, but it's never the same as it used to be. Like you don't, after being around other people with serious problems as well, and just really like getting to know yourself and seeing like what, what, why, like, 
the cool thing about a twelve step program is it's not just quitting. It's like there it's the psychology of it because like a lot of people it's not the it's not the drink, but it's what's which in your think like you're thinking like why like what was the reason like what makes it that I want to keep you know and it is like an allergy too like sometimes we just there's a time where you have one and it's like one's never enough well you're obviously not an alcoholic if you can have one and then stop for a while it's like the alcoholic mindset is how can you not finish that you know basically yeah and it's it's another kind of you know, you're, they're self-medicating because it's a problem and disease and it's hard. And if you, it sounds, like you it sounds like you just overdid it and got I smart. think so too because like I haven't, you know, I've been feeling really, uh, I've been feeling really um, great lately. I haven't had any issues with it since. But yeah, it was, a lot of it also was bartending in New York and mm. I moved to New York to become a musician but wound up like in this great bar the library you know was my first job that i got when i moved here and the coolest like awesome people would come in and you just get wrapped up in that lifestyle and you forget your reasons of why you moved to a place like new york all of a sudden like it how, happens to a lot of people just getting sucked into the how party. old were you when you moved here 23 okay so like from florida from school from uh i was just in florida playing in bands i i, I made it through college for like one year mm-hmm. i was like uh this is a waste of money i just want to sing so yep. then i cl- was in b- a band around florida and any classical training with singing or just i went to an arts high school and so i had some uh like a vocal coach that we got in school but really most of it was all self-taught like you got one of those ferrari type voices ferrari type voices. vocal coach i'll never forget this he was an opera singer I had when i was a kid and because i was i just do acting until I realized you need talent to do that. Uh, and he said there, it was a group of kids and he had everybody sing. And I was like, oh, fuck off, I'm not doing it. But some people sang and he went, there's two kinds of voices. There's Volkswagens and Ferraris. He says, I hear a lot of Ferraris in this room right now. He said, well, listen to me sing. And he sang and he went, hear that? Hear the difference? And they went, kind of, I guess. And he went, I got a Volkswagen, but I drive it like a Ferrari. <laughs> And that was, and it always stuck with me. That yeah. Some people just have that, you know, it's like anything else. You just have a genetic predisposition mm-hmm. for something and it could be something good or something bad. But if you got the tune, you know, you yeah. can pull it off and some people just do it naturally. So my parents, really cool. my parents are really talented. I think I got it from my, my mom sings and oh. my dad is a crazy guitarist and sings Still? a lot too. Yeah, he's good. Professional he's, or? Um, no, he's actually an illustrator professionally, but. He was always, him and my mom were always in bands. They what, play kind of, in, what kind of illustrator? Um, He does like, sometimes, he's done like newspapers and children's books and like different. The ultimate art form. Yeah, he's it's been really, it was really cool growing up just around in a creative household. It was always, because I don't think there was as much support. Like my dad's family was always supportive, but my mom's family was always like, you gotta get a real you know they're german so it was always like you gotta get a real job and like this and this and so they weren't when my mom married this artist they were like him your mom was german is german she's not like doesn't have the german i mean that's our heritage but she's like how many generations removed like first second like i mean my great-grandparents had german accents there you go that'll do it so (laughs) so like third basically yeah you know and they were just like my parent, I think they were like my dad was painting Christmas windows, and they're like, "What kind of 
how's this guy going to support you? And so when I was like, I want to be, you know, I I was just, as a kid, I was always drawing or making music. Like I was always one or the other acting and my parents were like, that's what you go for it. Like that's what you want. It's going to be hard, but. And so they were super supportive and just being around my, like, I remember I did a poster contest with my dad and I messed up and I was crying. I'm like, I'm never going to win. He's like, no. And he flipped it around and into a different angle. And he's like, it's a diff- look at it like this. And then we saw another picture in it and I did a new poster based on the mistake. I built a mistake into a new poster and wound up winning the contest. Like, it's just the way. Your dad's awesome. You're feeling. He is really cool. He'll probably listen to this too. So, Don Morris. <laughs> <laughs> what What's it been like for you being in the East Village? Like, I'm sure it's changed so much. I mean, do you, like, do you miss it? Or are you, like, whatever? How is it? Do you like IHOP? What? Yeah, I mean, what, what's it been like to kind of see that happen kind of gradually? I guess? I miss the key. I'm moving to, I think I'm moving to Greenpoint soon. Yeah? So, I'm just getting ready to say goodbye to the East Village, and I'm... Is it because of NYU? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, but I do think a lot of it is NYU is just spread out like i actually was in the bar last night and these girls were in there and they left their gift coffee mug of their new apartment like three thousand dollar place from sty town it was a coffee mug with the with the uh architecture of like the room they got like you know like one of those like your three thousand dollar rent here's your coffee mug (laughs) it's like and that's basically like and they were definitely like nyu girls they were like was like it's forty thousand a year to go there. It's 10 crazy. Years ago, yeah. It's crazy, and you see them come in. You know, they'll come in, and you see them for like, especially working around the bar. You see the same faces for about four years, and then they disappear again, and they go back to their hometown. It's like they come in, and then they piss all over the neighborhood. You know, and I mean, I've it's a great school, but it's just like. Uh, I hate that it's just, there's just, the neighborhood has become very, maybe it's me getting older and crabbier, but it's just very entitled. You're not getting crabbier, you're just getting older and you're more experienced and you can see stuff mm-hmm. you can't cause, that you hadn't before because you hadn't been on the planet that long. Yes. Yeah. Steven was in the East Village for a while. Not that long. Trish was there. Yeah, I guess. Fi- so. Trish was there 15 years, my wife. Wow. And uh, she moved there when cabs, and this was, you know, late 90s, cabs still wouldn't drop you off at Avenue, right? Yeah. You know, and you think, what? You know, but still. Now it's um, like. What's that website? EV Grieve? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, not 7 I, I like it, but that's, that's I feel like they like it a little bit too. Like, it's like so and so, like, painted their awning. It's like, all right, is this like really news and yeah. Oh. Well, oh, the, the internet, there's nothing newsworthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's just crazy how much that. It, I've been there for five years, and even like. I, I live on Second Street next to the Supper, which is an awesome. Like yeah, that place that, is awesome. This is I great. Love that joint. Live right next to there, and that place has stayed the same. Like I go yeah. in there, and they always give me free dessert, and like they're like my my buddies. That's David. That's the best <laughs> thing. David. I remember when uh, mm. Justin Skirty worked at um, Little Frankie's, and it was mm. it was aside from him just being a delightful person, it was always like here's the uh, strawberry Nutella pizza, and Dude. I'm like you fucker. And, I love you so much. And that th- the other restaurant Ryder worked at. Yeah, Ryder worked at Frank. Dude, we should get uh, sponsored by them. Do you guys know Artie? Of course. Artie from Vitus? Yeah. From, yeah, I remember when Artie worked there. I've yeah. known Artie since 
I was touring with my girl band Pinktricity before moving to New York. Really? Artie's been on the podcast before. I've known yeah. Artie for years. Love Artie. He's awesome. He's a good guy. We just he played was... at Vitus a couple weeks ago, and really? he like his band opened for us. Some of our frequent listeners will notice there's two episodes of Artie. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Remember, because we had to re-edit it. Oh, right. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, that was an outside joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. So you moved to East Village what year? I moved to the East Village like five years ago. I was in Bushwick for a while. So 2009. Yeah. That's funny. See, that's when you moved to the East Village. That's when I moved out. Literally, like, I moved to East Village and like two weeks later, Steven's like, I'm moving to New Jersey. I was like, dude, are you serious? We're like four blocks away from each other. (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember I was taking a whole bunch of classes commuting from New Jersey to the UCB. And then uh, when I stopped taking, and then they were like in the process of opening UCB East. (laughs) I was like, you fuckers. I love going to that one. I go yeah. over there sometimes. That's one of the things I do love about the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I'll go if I don't know what to do for the night. I'm like, I got $5 in my pocket. I'm going to go sit in dark room and watch comedy. Yeah, that's a good spot. And dollar mm-hmm. P- you got dollar pizza right there. Yeah, I, I know that's what I was going to talk about when you were asking about <laughs> where I live. And I, uh, that dollar pizza place, it's been very convenient. However, it has made me also like loathe the neighborhood in some ways. Because I'll that? go out, I'll go out to walk taco at night and there's just, really really like drunk obnoxious like people like eating the pizza on the curb eat, just spread out all over and it's always like really drunk like just like it's back to that entitled mean like that friday night like entitled crowd of like one time I they saw, yell stuff at me like one time there was a guy i was with we we're hanging out late one night and he was eating pizza this was uh when the before Black Market Burger, when they had the pizza place next to Niagara, oh yeah, there was oh, yeah. Some, some guy playing a guitar with an Apple symbol on it, and he was singing Four Non Blonde song, and this guy with the pizza kept yelling at him to stop and shut up, and that guy was Jonah Bear, and he was my hero. Ah, <laughs> 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 sorry, let me just shut down the art, but this is really bad. It was, Kendra, trust it was, me, it was awesome, <laughs> and then all I did was laugh the entire time. I like forgot about that. I had. I had one night, I was, this was just like a couple months ago, and it was where I thought, oh my gosh, I, there could be something wrong with me. I'm walking in these, like, girls, like, they were these very attractive, like, I like, you know, 20-something. And they're standing on the corner, and I'm walking. I was like, I had had a great night. I don't remember, I was kind of, I think I was kind of been at the studio, and then I went to a show, and, like, hair was a little, like, I, I used to have really big hair for a while. It's not as big now, but, um... My hair was a little bit big. I was walking and this girl goes, she's on the corner crossing and she goes, what is that? A wig? Just some girl. Like, she's like, or how do you do anything in that? Like, how do you catch, get any, she said something just so awful to me. Just these, like, they were like sorority girls or like, just those like really like, and she's like, had the audacity just out of nowhere from the corner just cut me down. And I was like thinking like, this is my neighborhood. Now yours and I just all of a sudden lost it on her. I was like, fuck you. Get out of my neighborhood. I said, I'll throw you in front of that cab. And I'm like, and her friends are like, we're sorry. We're sorry. I was like, don't mess with me. And I just like, 
had my New York, like 10 years in New York moment. And I just was like shaking. And then I ran into the pizza place and I know all those pizza guys. And I'm like, can I borrow this? I grab a bottle of water. I'm like, can I take this? I'll come back and pay you. I grab the bottle of water. I run out to go dump water on these girls' heads. I was so mad. And her friends, like, they're like across the street. I'm like, I'm going to throw this at you. And they're like, we're sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, get out of here. Don't come back. Who do you think you are? And I just remember I go home shaking and I texted my friend. I was like, I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I have anger issues. I love that your go-to violent move was to throw water on them. I, I love how you dictated everything. <laughs> this is what I'm going to be doing soon. <laughs> this is my hair. And just leave me alone. That is kind of obnoxious. And also, and I, and I mean this nicely, uh, not in a sexist way, but a female thing to do. Like, like, like women can be really ruthless to other women. <gasps> Horrible. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. You know, it's like guys are just—they have—they're beyond obnoxious and threatening in their own rights. Not all the time. Not—I don't mean to generalize, but I hear stories of—you know—I have twin daughters, and I'm like, you guys will be cool, and you will protect people, and you will not be obnoxious, or your mother will kill you. <laughs> they should be like Taco. Yeah, chill. Girl, yeah. my my brother has twin girls. Oh, how old are they? Almost three. <sighs> Mine is uh, three and a half. Uh, tell him that I understand. <laughs> um, and from what I've heard, it will get much better. <laughs> and that it repeats itself when the hormones hit. The exact mentality. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm with him. There's a bond that he and I have. We've never met. But this I'm Cameron. there. Cameron Morris. That's Cameron. right. Is so how many brothers and sisters? Just... Uh, had two, but now I have one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. What happened? Um, he passed away about two years ago. What happened? It's weird. He was a notorious partier, and he got sober. And then his body just kind of... He was six months sober, and he just passed away in his sleep one night. He was 32, and his mm. body just said, I'm tired. And he just went to sleep and didn't wake up. Like, we did all the like doctoral like they did the autopsy like because we were always like i was like he's it's gonna be like he's gonna pass away from od or always thought it was you know he just lived really hard but i think it's how even though you can be a certain age on the outside it's how you treat your body on the inside like he was probably like an 80 year old man inside even though and he, what was the age difference he was just a year older than me oh that sucks so it was really it was really tough but my uh my my um we said something that struck me um like i had two now i have one my um my wife's cousin they have little girls five and they had they were gonna have triplets and they had the triplets and the hospital fucked up and one died due to negligence which was terrible the the little girl who's five tells the story people say well how many brothers do you have she goes well i have three one's just dead she has three. Yeah. Like, it's the truth. That's a fact. You know, one's just not, you know. Yeah, she doesn't. Just um, around differently. Mm -hmm. So, you, got, you have two brothers, present tense. I know. have two, yeah. One yeah. is... Yeah. One, one you can talk to. in a one jar. You can, yeah, one you can talk to, one you can think about. Yeah. 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 No, uh, actually, I, um, on working, I wrote a song, like, when he, when he passed away, I rushed home. I had a show the night that I found he died. Oh, for fuck's and sake. I was... And they were like, "Do you not want to do it?" I was like, "No. What else am I gonna do? I'm just gonna be crying anyway." So yeah. I had the show. He kind of probably he probably would have been mad if you didn't. Oh yeah, he would have been mad. And then I rushed home to Florida, and I stayed home 
for a month in December of 2012. And Do you remember the show? Oh, yeah. I remember that show. I remember how I was in shock. Yeah. Like, and also I was like stone cold sober at this time, too. Like, so I was uh. like, and it was crazy because after the show, I went to the library and hung out all night and all my friends came. Everybody knew I announced it on stage on the last song. And it was like, I almost had, was like extra, like I was manic that night, like would just like, was like feeling like would have these bouts of laughing and like really silly. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh shit, like, ah, I can't believe like he's not here. And then be like, it was just the craziest night. I like had one of the funnest nights ever in some ways, just hanging out with friends, but the most awful too, because it was just shock of like this i was really close with him too so it was it was uh easy but i was he here was he in new york no he was in florida in florida okay. and i had just seen him like a month before yeah. he came to but when i went home to florida the i was like okay i need to deal with this so i'm gonna just deal with it through writing through music and so i was like i'm gonna write a song and save these feelings because they're feelings i don't want to forget of this it was just such a huge emotion and um i remember like i started i grabbed one of my dad's guitars around the house and st- started the song and then we'd go view his body mm-hmm. and i went and like you know i'd never really sorry tacos like taco i'd never really lightening the mood experienced death before so you know and saw his body i remember t- i touched my mom and i were touching him and mm-hmm. I remember I was like, he had this gap in his teeth. We're like, does he still have a gap in there? You know? And and I was just dealing with like being, like seeing him there, but he wasn't there. And so then I went home and over the month I worked on that song. Like every couple of days I would sit down on the couch and it was the hardest song I ever wrote, ever. Because I wanted the perfect lyrics, like the perfect like way to just put him and what I was feeling in that moment that I don't know when... You know, I'll feel it again or it'll never be the same feeling as that. And captured it and wrote it in this song and then just kept it for myself and showed it to a few people at one point. And then I recorded my own version on my iPad with all kinds of different, I'm obsessed with layers and harmonies. And then recently um, my producer and I decided, he was like, let's put that song on the album. Let's produce it. So the other day, like he had taken it and what i had started you know i showed showed him the chords and he built like it's crazy he i was sitting in the studio and the way he produced it was exactly like how it reminded me of like my brother and what the sounds that he ended up using and the production i just remember i was like hiding where i'm crying i was like oh my gosh and so we recorded it the other day and i've just been like right it's crazy how a song can really capture because i remember even him the other day sending me yesterday he sent me the rough of it just sitting on my couch crying again i was just back there and those you know feelings and it's just have you performed it yet um i did like i've performed it acoustically before mm-hmm. i mean it's pretty very barren it doesn't need mm-hmm. a whole lot of instruments but have you, your parents heard it yeah mm-hmm. it's really sad oh yeah but sad is good though yeah it, you know i think that writing that song over that month really was one of the like things that got me through that month like, Did you talk to anybody about it or counseling or ah uh, no but i talk i try to like be open about it as much as possible because i think that's the only way to get through something that's why i'm talking about it now mm-hmm. maybe some people wouldn't 
want to talk about their brother who passed away you know you, you, that's but, you have to you got to keep it present i trust me I'm, my dad died in april and it's like we, i talk about it with my mom every day yeah and the it's that kind of dancing around it that's the problem People yeah don't know what to say and I, there's only one thing you can say yeah it sucks what what do you need that's it there's, yeah. it's it's awful but you it's have awful. to keep it present and keep them present by talking about them you know mm -hmm. um uh my wife had a had a had a, had a boyfriend who uh passed away from an aneurysm right before she and i met actually and we're she's still in contact with his family you know talks to them every year we go to see them they've met my kids they know that they're at my wedding you know because you you know you don't want to move on you don't move on from that yeah you carry with and it's really that's very smart you know and now you got this song there this testament which is really awesome yeah you know that's that's forever you know exactly beyond all of you which is really really cool mm -hmm. that's awesome that's why i love music i think there's i think music is something that science will never be able to there's some things that like people want to science wants to put things into a nutshell but there's a nutshell a nutshell but i think music music and spirit spirituality i think are for my personal opinion or just whatever the mystery of the beyond there's things that will never be explained in music i think is one of those things that it's up there with the greek gods like we will never know like what what is it about music that we it connects us to each other you, you can hear a, a melody and it could be in a completely different language it doesn't matter like if it if there's something in it it will connect to someone like if there's that that, that thing there like, like why is a minor chord sad yeah like it's not sad to everyone yeah yeah, or how does it, how do you feel, like, when it makes you feel something? It's so interesting you said Greek, because that's where it all started with music, you know, because music's math, yeah. and my favorite thing about music is that it's a language. Yeah. That, that, like, like you, like, for someone who can't fucking speak it, you know, I know I know bass clef a bit from playing drums, but that just means, hit this here, hit this there. Oh, I'm still hitting something, that's because I'm mad, but, you know, it's a language that everybody can speak and learn, you can translate yeah. that to any other culture, because it's a different alphabet. I do think it's that's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. I like how you, your whatever music you're drawn to. Like, what would you describe your music as? Which is a question I loathe. Mm -hmm. It hit me because he avoids it for the his <laughs> whenever, entire career. Whenever I do like have to do like written interviews or interviews, mm -hmm. and then like the top questions that I like hate is like, <laughs> "What's your inspiration?" Oh fuck that! I mean, or no, I know, I know, not you. I just mean, or what, if you were trapped on an island, what album would you bring? How can you pick one? If you could send their information to Jonah, Jonah will take care of them. <laughs> I got in an argument with this rock critic once who said that artists do not get to choose their genre. That's up to the fans. And I went, I disagree. <laughs> I just want to hurl that out. I, I humbly disagree. And I was like, if, if Ian MacKay says Minor Threat's a punk band, I'm going to trust him on that. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Now, if he, if all the songs are country and he says it's a punk band, um, you know, it, it's it's like you don't get to decide what's a mystery novel. Mm -hmm. you know? Genres are so funny because like we were just on tour for for like three weeks and like you know, we'd be wherever in Kentucky and someone would be like, oh, what kind of music do you play? I'm like, ah, oh, it's pretty like heavy music. And they'd be like, oh, like Disturbed. And you're like, well, no, like not really. 
And then they're like, oh, they're pretty heavy though, right? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And then they're like, what <laughs> kind is it? I'm like, oh, like grindcore screamo. And they're like, like so confused, like some kid working at Starbucks. Did you, did you see that thing Hugh Jackman wrote where he's like, when I work out, I like to listen to the heaviest music, so I put on some Godsmack. Oh! <laughs> when we were in Boston, it was the day before Godsmack Day. They had a Godsmack Day in Boston mm. after we were there, where like they were putting out a new record, and they got like the mayor to like give them like. I didn't realize they did were. Did you ever still- interview that dude? No. To his credit, awesome. Like really, just, just Sully? Sully, Sully Erna, like just could not be nicer. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't, in my opinion, you know, like excuse his music, but like ridiculously nice. Like you always think, eh, I could be a tool. Awesome. Like interviewed him a bunch. Really cool dude. But yeah, I was like, Godsmack, really, Hugh? Wow. Here's a list of everything else. I also just went to a Yankees game, and like all the guys' walk up music was like, I felt like super mellow. Like I feel like I would want like the heaviest music ever mm-hmm. if I was walking out to like try to hit a home run. I feel like you're playing a game. Who needs walk-up music? It's not wrestling. Yeah, but don't you? I feel like you want something to like. You want to get amped up. Like you're like, all right, like let's do this. No, you'd want to fuck with the crowd. You want to play like Weird Al. <laughs> That's what I would do. Dare to be stupid. Walking up. I'm like, not gonna hit it. It's not dare to be stupid. I love Weird Al. It's my. It's the first record I ever bought with my own money. Was that record? I had it on cassette. He looks great. Yeah, by the way, I heard yeah. he has a big hit again. Yeah, I. I mean, I've Happy. been out. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's. He's a talented just, guy. And I hate that song, Happy, so I'm glad yeah. he did something with it. It's a, it's a pretty, uh, yeah. I, I, Hacky is his version. I right. hadn't heard it till Pharrell did it on, on SNL, and I was there, and I was like, I had never heard this song. I was like, eh, whatever. And then I was like, oh, this is like the biggest song in the universe. Yeah, no, it's good to, it's good to not hear that stuff. So back to your tunes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, well, I, like, well, fuck it. Who do you listen to? I go through yeah. I go through phases. A lot of I've been collecting records recently, so I've been just really digging into some old stuff. Finding, um, listening by album. I listen to what's something that I've been really into lately. I found Jimi Hendrix "Electric Ladyland" record store. I think that's a beautiful album. Just his production on it, and then like I do a lot of old soul music. That stuff. Soul is soul music is always like Sam Cooke. Yeah, mm, like Donny Hathaway, um, uh, Irma Thomas, like uh, Betty Lavette. Oh yeah. All these, mm-hmm. you know, it's been uh, Marvin Gaye, like, and then like some more. You know, I'm trying to. I'm having a bad time thinking of like. No, whenever someone you have a list in your head when you're in your car or somewhere. Yeah. People always like, what should I listen to? And I'm like, uh, just always say Iron Maiden, and you're fine. I'm always love finding like little gems. Like there's this girl named Little Anne, and she passed away before anybody ever discovered her even. But there's this one song she does called deep shadows and i think it's the most beautiful song her she's like maybe 16 when it was recorded and her voice is cracking and it's the saddest most beautiful song so i love finding you know and i found a couple other songs of hers and then i found like this guy she was part of this detroit soul thing for a while and there was this guy named detroit dave uh dave thomas or something and he produced her and I found like four other tracks of hers and then I started finding all this other stuff that he recorded, all these other artists. So sometimes I like playing that game where you find like one artist you like and then you find out who produced them and then you do the like, wow, what else did they do? And then, oh, and then you keep finding new artists. So that's awesome. Oh, I'm cruising what? the liner notes. 
I want to ask you before we end, I forgot about this, like about you were on like that taxidermy TV show or something. No, I wasn't. My ex-boyfriend was <laughs> in my apartment. Okay. Nathaniel <laughs> Shannon. Was this the taxidermy was, contest? Is, show? By the way, he's one of my favorite Instagram accounts. Yeah. Oh, his the street. Dicks. Yeah, we're really we're good friends now. Yeah. So, oh yeah, his he does this. Uh, <laughs> he does this thing where he takes pictures of people on their phones just walking down the street, and like calls it street dicks, and it, like like the hashtags are all like live your life, like you're fucking stupid, like. But the photos are like really good. Yeah. And they're always like it'll be like. You just have to check it out. That's great. I don't do Instagram. I don't understand that I'm old. It's Twitter with pictures. I don't get it. But your taxidermy, is that something you're really into or used to be into? Well, him and I, when we were together, found a bunch of taxidermy together on Craigslist. Okay. And went out and got it. And just started, I started collecting after that. I had had a, a couple pieces and then we found all these deers that this guy's wife made him get rid of for like $300. And then over time, long after the breakup, I kept getting more and more stuff. But the funny story of this, and if he listens to this, I'm sure I'm going to get a phone call. Um, when we broke up, I was at South by Southwest. I was like... He had a month to get, I'd been in and out of town. I was like, give a month to like move out and get your stuff together. And I remember he called me one day. He was like, um, this TV show, uh, oddities really wants to film me in the apartment. Like, can I do this episode? I was like, no, no. It's like, it's my apartment. You're supposed to be moving out. Didn't hear anything about it ever again. Like months later, my parents were like, so we're watching this show oddities and, Nathaniel was on it in your in the apartment, like. But it's funny because he doesn't mention it being your apartment. Like, he hid all of our pictures and like redecorated it and made it look like it's his. And so it's funny because people are always like, "Oh, I saw Nathaniel on Oddities. He's got a great apartment." I'm like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. So you bummed he did it without telling. Are you actually admiring? Wow, I was stealthy. Good move. It was a, he's sneaky like that. Part of the reason we're not together. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny because I kept all, he owed me money when we broke up. If he hears this and he'll know why he, I never gave him his half of the deer back. He owed me money. So in my head, I was like, those are my deer. Yeah. You got to pay up if you want the deer head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear you. That's, that's that's a common thing. But yeah, we've put, you know, I say these things out of pure, like, I think he's a, a wonderful person i would not no. you people in your healthy breakups remain friends i you I I we weren't for a while though we sent some really nasty messages you have good breakups I, I've, I've like my last few have been all been really good like still stay in touch like everything yeah it's always weird at first but yeah, yeah. i mean like, i feel like with that stuff it's like you like connected with someone for a reason mm-hmm. so it's like weird to play this game where you're like all right we're not together in this one way i like never want to talk to you again it's weird like if you nope. when that happens and you pass them on the street and I was saying, talking to a friend about this the other day, like you pass them on the street and it's like you never even knew each other, yet you used to share so much. And then to just be strangers passing, it's a really weird thing. It's yeah, like, nah. My wife and I both were like, neither of us are like friends with any yeah. exes and it's just great. Nathaniel's the only one that I'm really, and we don't like go and like hang out, but mm-hmm. we see each other and we're totally cool. But he's, I think really like him he's the only one that it's like hey you know i met his girlfriend she's really nice like he's my my boyfriend like 
but, but we don't go like on double dates together or anything. So I want to end with you've got your producer and you said you've recorded some stuff. So that means new record coming out, almost finished, happening. It's happening right now, probably in the spring. Cool. Is it so, so it's going to be released in the U.S. as well? Yeah. Excellent. So label to be determined. Mm-hmm. Album title. I don't know yet. It's really I feel like you can't ask Kendra this stuff because she's like so honest that like she'll say like she'll be like well no. nothing to say for three months. I'm but. the worst album namer too. Like yeah. we didn't name Banshee until like we were like almost late with the album because we couldn't think of. I was just like I don't know what to name it, and then it just came one day. I was like okay, here it is. So you got some time to think about it. Yeah, get back to us. Yeah, I'll think maybe I'll name it Taco. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Kendra Morris. It went, as always, in a little different direction than we thought. Yeah. But true to fact, um, there was a moment, since Brad, you weren't in the room, that uh, I really thought Jonah farted. And uh. Kendra, I saw look over. <laughs> and nothing happened. And it turned out it was Taco. Yeah. Yeah. That's I why you... I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't even notice it until you guys started talking about it at the end. <laughs> See? So... That's, you know, that's another good lesson. If you do have a flatulence issue, get a dog. Yeah. yeah. But how do it's, dogs fart without butt cheeks? What? You know what I mean? <laughs> that, adds, that adds to the sound, you know? Yeah, I guess. But did it make a sound? Yeah. I didn't hear oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't hear it. I don't have a sense of smell, so I wouldn't know. Because Maybe my ears are ringing. I don't think it. I've ever heard. I've <laughs> grown up with literally a dozen dogs, probably, and I don't think I ever... I smelled plenty of them, but Maybe I don't think I've ever heard on, them fart. Maybe it depends on the breed. This was an audible, audible flatulent dog. This is a yeah. farting breed. Mm-hmm. Chihuahuas are farty breeds. And you uh, can hear it? Oh, yeah. I had one, yeah. And it made a noise. Oh, yeah. Was it very tiny? Like... <laughs> exactly. If you enjoyed this super highbrow podcast, yeah, you should check us out on Facebook. Going off track, uh, check us out. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's free. Oh, that'd be nice. We haven't if, gotten one of those in a while. If you wanna um, donate, goingofftrack.com. If you have your own podcast network and would like to partner up with us and have us share, not having sponsors. Yeah. If you want to sponsor us, oh, that'd be cool. Hit us up. We're Thanks. open. Like Library Bar. Why don't you sponsor us? Yeah, just Library talk Bar. shit out of your bar. France, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> no, God, no. You, would, I don't want to be associated with France. I love cognac. You wouldn't accept f- some francs? No. No, I think France is part of the European Union. You know, oh, yeah, there's these euros. Yeah. yeah, fuck them. Euros. Okay, sorry, France. Yeah. <laughs> we with them. I don't know. Anyways. Fuck those pacifists. <laughs> we, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going to do it either way. So, who cares? Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, check us out online. I don't know why I'm telling you to check out the podcast because you're clearly listening to it. All and the way chan- to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Chances are there. You know, it's so funny, though. I did get an email recently from someone who was like, hey, love the podcast. Also, I listened all the way to the end. So when you're talking at the end about how no one's still listening, I'm always listening to that. So this is for you. <laughs> so thank you. I wish I could remember who sent that. But whoever sent that, thank you for sending it. And uh, we love French. you anonymously. Yeah, we love you anonymously. And thank you for making it this long. I. It's it's impressive. I kind of want to keep going. For Thank you for making minutes. it past that whole dog farting thing. <laughs> uh, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> it, I don't. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Maybe it was. Uh, but yeah, thanks and thanks, Kendra, and check out her album Banshee and check her out on tour. She's she's awesome.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.